What's up, friends? You're listening to The Secret Chord Podcast, the show about finding the harmony between faith, music, and business. I'm your host, Nick Morrow. Welcome to episode three. Has being involved in music ever required a significant amount of risk in your own personal journey? You've probably heard it said before by a pastor or an author or speaker or whatever that, quote, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And I think that's definitely true for Christians. It's maybe true for all humans, but I think it's especially true for people who pursue a life in music. Case in point, do you remember the moment when you went to your parents or to your spouse or to your friends and said something like, I think I want to pursue a calling in music or a calling in worship ministry or some creative field where there's no exact formula for exactly how you're going to get a job or have an income? Those can be awkward conversations. Doing music can feel like a major risk at times, like a gamble, but where you're actually gambling on yourself or your own work ethic or your own talents. And almost nobody, like ever, goes from a steady income job to a baller career in music overnight. Okay, it may have happened for like Post Malone or someone, but almost never does that happen. There's almost always this awkward phase where the musician has to quit his or her day job so that they can actually spend time making music and building relationships, but before there's any serious income coming in from music. This can be hard. Believe me, I'm staring down the barrel of that myself, my own family, we're having those conversations, but it's also like an inevitable rite of passage in the musician's journey. My guest today knows a thing or two about stepping out in faith in that awkward, risky phase. Marianne J. George is a worship leader, songwriter, and a vocalist best known for her work with Maverick City Music. You've likely heard her songwriting and her worship leading on songs like Such an Awesome God, Hymn of the Ages, and To You. Honestly, she's kind of this like explosion of talent as a writer and a vocalist. I sometimes wonder how people can be that talented, but she's also super sharp and she has a huge heart for Jesus. If you love Marianne's songs, you'll be psyched to know this. She's actually currently working on a solo album that'll be out later this year. In today's interview, Marianne shares about her own journey of faith and risk, the beautiful culture behind Maverick City Music, and a little bit about what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry like the music industry. Here it is, my interview with Marianne J. George. Marianne J. George, welcome to the show. So good to be here, Nick. Thank you for even thinking of me, for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for making time. Here's the deal. Everyone always does the lightning round at the end. We do at the beginning. Uh, So I'm going to throw you lightning round questions, just whatever comes to your gut. Um, First off, on a scale of 1 to 10... One being the worst day of your life, 10 being the best day of your life. How are you doing today? I would 
would say I'm a solid six. Solid six. Or seven. Yeah. Six or I'm a little seven. On the more tired. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on the tired end, but yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I feel good because my husband came home early today. So Amazing. that's all. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely feeling better today than normal. I feel like an average day for me is a solid five, right in the middle. <laughs> but you're a six or so, seven a day. Yeah. Which is three or four away from the best day of your life. Right. So. Cool, right? <laughs> okay. So. I feel like the best. I can't even think of like, I, I'm a very bad person when it comes to like best, worst. Sure. Like, you know, I'm not like, I, everything is just so fluid for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so hard for me to like classify things. But yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm on a six or seven for the day. Okay. Let's Amazing. do 6.5 to be okay. right in the middle. <laughs> so you're 3.5 away from the best day of your life. There you go. <laughs> okay. So if you were Desert Island and you can take three to five songwriters music with you that's all you get for the rest of your life who are you okay. going with i'm probably gonna go with ben hastings mm. amanda cook um wait so we're just talking about the songwriters or artists that are also songwriters either one interesting okay um john bellion Who's that? Uh, oh man, you've got to check him out. Okay. He's dope. He's he's he actually is now getting much more traction since helping write Justin Bieber's Holy. Oh. But he's great. Yeah. You should check him out. Uh, he's from Long Island, like he's he's from New York, where I'm from. So he's a uh, he's he's a legend. A lot of our artists in Mav really like him. Um, but yeah, John Bellion. Who did I say? I said. Um, Ben Hastings, Amanda Cook, John Bellion. I have two more. This is hard. Honestly, I really like Dante's writing. Probably say Dante. Wow. You're so Christian. Oh, yeah. I don't really. I feel like it's right now what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. John yeah. Bellion is not Christian, though. Sure. Um, I mean, well, yeah. Uh, I was going to say Adele because I really do like yeah. Adele. So I feel like that might be my five. Um, I just haven't listened to a lot of secular music recently. Like I haven't listened to a lot of stuff that's not Christian, but I really want to. I have, I've been actually expanding my, um, uh, my I, I, I make a playlist of all the things that I'm seeing people listen to so I can listen to it all and decide what I like. Okay, so this is interesting. So you did you grow up? And it was like only Christian music. And now you're sort of getting into some of that or how, do, how does that come about? Um, I mean, yeah, like growing up probably until like middle school, I probably was only allowed to listen to certain types of music. I grew up in a pretty strict household, but um, yeah, I feel like after middle school going into high school, like I started to listen to my own stuff, listen to a lot of like rock, but I mean, in terms of songwriting, I'm very like into poetry and like, just imagery and so i love that i love when songwriting has that and honest authentic lyrics so yeah all of those all of those things have that okay so here here here's um i think people would love to know this i i'm interested i think i i first met you for sure it was a writing camp map city thing about almost a year ago 
Mm-hmm. I think people now see you. They see you on Map City stuff. You freaking led a passion conference a week or two ago. But take us back 18 months, two years, whatever. And what did that journey look like, you know, to where you're at now? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a very musical family. I'm going to take you all the way back there. Yes. Because started when I was six. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I grew up in a very like in a Christian household. Um, My parents, I grew up Pentecostal. Like my parents were evangelical. Like we were all like going to church every week. Both my parents are worship leaders. And so they would sing at their church and stuff. So I kind, I, I was constantly surrounded with music. Like my aunts, my aunts and uncles sang, um, so we were always singing, like, even if there was like a birthday, a holiday, we're celebrating anything like it ends with like a time of worship, a time of prayer. So it's like, we were kind of trained to just like sing, whether we liked it or not, whether we were good at it or not. My main instrument was violin. So that was like the first thing I started off with at four. And, um, my mom would sit with me and, and make sure I learned it. And I feel like as time developed, I started to have this ear for music. So I'd pick up things very quickly musically. Now I wasn't like the most athletic person. So this was my thing. (laughs) Music was my thing. So I constantly like picked up instruments really quick. I learned guitar by myself. I still don't know the name of chords today or I, I learned piano by myself too. Um, and I don't know the name. I don't know all the names of the chords I play either. So it's like um, I've just had a ear for it, and I've gone through with that. Um, yeah, but also being South Indian, I feel like I was pushed into different career paths. And so for me, music was never something I anticipated ever doing full time. It was always a, a hobby that I'd have, or something I would be doing very often, like weekends. Like even in the church I grew up in, um, it was like volunteer worship leaders. So we never had paid anybody to lead worship. It was just not culturally a thing we did. The only person that ever got paid in our church was our pastor. And the salary would come from tithe. Including your parents then, unpaid worship leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're all volunteer based. So the idea or concept of ever getting paid to do worship ministry was such a weird it's just not even something I thought about. Yeah. Um, and then I remember listening to people like Darlene Sheck and her being white, uh, Kim Walker also being white. I think I just naturally did not think uh, I can do that. And even seeing black women in gospel, I just did not think that was in, I have never seen anyone who looked like me. Um, mm-hmm. So I just never thought it was possible. But I still think that some of the most talented people are in my community and they lead. And so I didn't, I never felt like when I work with Mav now, I strongly believe that my musicians and friends that I grew up with could match their level yeah. or more with what they're doing. So I didn't grow up with like a lack of musical um, knowledge or ability or skill. Like I feel like everybody was really good. Yeah. So, um, but it was just never an option for me. And I think it was um, when I graduated with my master's, I met Tony a month later. He had been following me and did some stuff. Tony's the guy who co-founded Mav, or uh, founded Maverick, sorry, Maverick City Music. A quick, quick question. So he, you graduated with a master's in what? Not music. 
No, sorry. Yeah, I got my bachelor's of arts in psychology, and then my master's was a master's of education in clinical mental health counseling. Wow. So gotcha. I ended up doing the counseling. I ended up doing counseling, and that's what I'm trained in even now. <laughs> that's that's really where I was educated, and um, that's where I was gonna what I was gonna do. But I graduated in December of 2018, and um, I remember in summer of 2018, I went to worship you in Bethel Church, at Bethel Church, and there was a prophetic word for me, and they told me that um, you'll be in a, it looks like they see me in a forest of very tall trees, and that God is bringing his axe to cut down the tr- a tree to the trees to make a custom cut path for me mm. and i remember hearing that being like okay what what does this look like i have no idea <laughs> and so um and then they kept saying like you were placed in your family you come from a family of legacy and there's a lot legacy of ministry in your family and that was very true i i'd come from a big legacy of um you know in india especially with my my in-laws have a huge legacy and even that my whole marriage was like a very um divine orchestration of god leading me into a family where there were women who led the way years before me Mm. in in evangelism speaking preaching so my mother-in-law speaks my 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 husband's grandmother was one of the first female evangelists in the state of kerala in india so i just happened to come into this family like with all these dreams that I don't even think I even realized at this point. And um, then God gives me this prophetic word in 2018. And I was like, okay, whatever you will for, for uh, whatever you will to happen, Lord, let it happen. Like, I'm just kind of like at the mercy, at your mercy, like whatever you want. Um, And so, yeah, I, I came out of 2018 and Chandler invited me to his church to lead a Isaiah song because I had done a cover on Instagram of it and he loved it. And um, Tony saw it and, you know, he was keeping track of me ever since the 2018 worship school uh, because I had done a cover of Tasha Cobb's This Is A Move, which hadn't been released yet. Tasha had sang it for the first time at Worship You. And that was a pretty big deal because I don't think they had a gospel artist lead at their church Mm. so it was a pretty big deal so i sang that tony wrote that song with brandon lake name more and um so i tagged them in it alton eugene who told me about tony and these camps he's running was like hey i don't know it's very like it's kind of like an invite only thing i don't know how open they would be you know to having you come I was like, no big deal. But I ended up coming home doing this cover. He told me to tag Tony in it, tagged Tony in it. And then we started chatting. Then the end of November, uh, end of 2018, I get invited in 2019, January to do this song at Chandler's church. And that's where I met Tony. Tony told me about the camps he's doing and he wanted me to come. So I started going to camps in June, July, August of 2019. Started to get my feet wet with songwriting, uh, co-writing. Uh, I had song written, I had song written, but nothing serious, you know, just didn't pay too much attention to it. I was a writer though. I always wrote, I had a journal with me. I have journal, even now in my apartment, I have journals full of like 
my life over the years. So I'm no I'm no stranger to documentation and writing and and um, process. And you, you know, had written be- songs up to that point, mm-hmm. like quite a bit, just not with other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No correct. Yeah. It was just weird. I mean, I'd never, I had never. Exp- I had never written with other people. I didn't, I, the concept was not even something I thought of. Yeah. Um, and so when he told me that he invited me, my first co-write, I remember to this day, and actually this song is going to be on my project. Um, it's called You Have My Yes. And I wrote it with Brandon Lake, Brett Yonker, and Tim Timmons, who's a Nashville artist. That's um, a, let's side note. Can we just say, that's the most uh, baller first co-write anyone's ever done. It was the scariest first <laughs> co-write. Sure. I was like, what am I doing in this room? But it was so great. They were so welcoming. What a great first experience. I was just it talking is. to Brett about it because I'd just gone to Passion. and um, But it was just like, so it was amazing. And I felt like uh, it was stretching for me, you know, to yeah. be in those rooms. And I kept doing it and I've been doing it ever since. And then... Um, I slowly started to like do it more and and then the prospect of like I, I remember Tony sitting down he's like you gotta have to you kind of have to make a decision like do you want to do this or do you want to do your counseling which is fine you just have to like know what you want to do yeah. and I remember like praying about it and being like I like need direction <laughs> I don't know God this is like so unheard of I, I just finished my schooling like um it was the weirdest feeling of like, I don't feel experienced enough to be here, but it feels like I belong. Yeah. So it was like the strangest feeling. Um, and I remember telling John, I was like, I have no, I feel like I can't. I mean, my first ever co-write with was with these writers that were like legends like to me. And then it just got better after that. Like it just got better yeah. and better. And I'm like sitting there feeling like major imposter syndrome. like. Mind you, I hadn't even fully committed to doing this yet full yeah. time. So just the like fact that I'm there, I'm just like, whoa, this is like crazy. This is like a whole thing. This is like a whole life that I could have. Yeah. So um, then I fasted in November. Um, and right before our November camp, there was a there was a camp in Nashville. Um, and right before that camp, I had fasted and I asked the Lord, like, I need a sign that you're going to if this is what you want me to do, like my in-laws were kind of like, are you gonna, are you gonna work? Or, yeah. And um, I mean, I was, I, part of me really did not want to do this. I wanted to work because I felt like the security of just having a nine to five and I love counseling and and having the nine to five was just so secure for me. Yeah. Um, and can I say this? I, I Like from a monetary standpoint at that point, you're not like mm-hmm. making a bunch of right. money on music right it's like still nope. a, like it could come yeah it's, so the risk right. is real in that moment the risk is very tangible and real yeah. at that point like it would be a significant cut for our financial yeah uh, state at that point so i told the lord i was like lord i need to know that you're gonna provide for me like i can't um i can't do this knowing that you you're not gonna provide like if i don't hear from you i'm gonna have to like start looking and I, I don't know if that was the right prayer, but, but I, I was like, I think it was out of anxiety and doubt that I was just like, I'm gonna have to start looking. And like, literally before I can start looking the next day, I get a call from a church and they're like, Hey, Marianne, like we've been hearing about you. We want to invite you to come and write with us in our church for our, for our project. We would love to work with you. And immediately when I got the call, it's like, this is what I needed. Mm-hmm. Like, I just needed to know that God was going to bring things 
even if yeah. it's just this one thing like i need to know that god's gonna bring things to me and like provide a path for me so i made that i i knew that the lord had called me to do it and um i felt very confidently of that at that point and um i told my family and my, my parents and my in-laws were all so on board and in our culture we're very close like my parents and in-laws are all very close so they're very involved in our lives and any kind of big decision, I always pray and seek their counsel as well. So, you know, they're very involved and I told them and they were all, they were all like, listen, if you feel the Lord calling you to do this, like, we're not going to get in your way. Like we want you to do it. And that was a big sign for me too, you know, that this is it. And so November, I went into the Nashville camp feeling very confident, like unlike the other camps before, just being like, this is what I'm called to do. I know I belong here. Yeah. Um, and so ever since then, it's been a pretty great journey. It's, I mean, it's an up and down journey, right? Songwriting is like, it's such an up and down process of, of days where you feel like you're killing it and days you're like, why the heck am I doing this? Like, yeah. and it's, it's very much like your journey. It's a very vulnerable process of your journey as a Christian in many ways, like, especially with in, in Christian songwriting. Right. So, and, um, it's, it's been beautiful. I've never needed the Lord more. And um, yeah. I definitely depend on him more because especially because I'm not educated at this in this specific mm. area, like I'm getting more experience, but um, definitely feel like the Lord brought me into these spaces to um, to show me a side of himself that I would have never seen in another field. So it's been pretty beautiful to be a part of it. I mean, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea, you know, that story and that timeline that literally like takes you right up to almost like the mar the March camp where I, I mm -hmm. first met you and, and you led. I want to say maybe that was the first time that you led in that recording. On a uh, was tune. it such an awesome God? Yeah, that was the first thing I ever sang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was actually um, actually, that's not true. I think I first sang it released it released first. But the first thing I sang was uh to you i think i got you which was on four maybe or three part two or whatever it was yeah it's all like it's all like <laughs> it's all like um different timings but what like there's yeah. different there's albums that have both of those times like yeah, recorded yeah. on one album so it's hard to tell but i remember like um you know what's funny i actually remember by the outfits i'm wearing <laughs> right that's like how I'm like, okay, I remember the outfit I wore at first, the blazer outfit. This was from <laughs> the blazer night. outfit yeah. is when I recorded for the first time. And I recorded to you and him of the ages. And then we did such an awesome God with Amanda when Amanda was there yeah. and Chris Brown. Yeah. Which was a pretty and incredible. I got to mm -hmm. Just watch that experience take place. That was amazing. It was amazing. I, I'm curious about that. So I that was um, the, the first and only time thus far that I've watched a, a Mav City recording. I've mm -hmm. done a lot of recording in the past, but that is a different scenario than like oh, yeah. anything I've done, certainly in the studio, but even live stuff I'd seen recorded. Mm -hmm. It's just different. How is that for you? It, is it a little bit chaotic and brings some anxiety or is it just like... Or no, is it? Sometimes oh, no, it, it's funny. I, I, I frequently come. I actually think this is something that's not new. Um, I feel like the concept of what we do at MAV was something that I've seen before. Like, for example, Bill Gaither used to do these homecoming yeah. concerts and there'd be a bunch of people in the room singing, yeah. leading worship. And it felt like even my, my father-in-law is a big fan of Bill Gaither. And so he 
would watch them and like even as i watch them today i'm like dang it really feels so familiar like that yeah. sense of family and the sense of like just worshiping with other friends and it's like joking laughing it's fun like it feels fun for them like as they're in that room and i'm like that feels like what we do like it's just fun and familiar and i feel like I feel like there's no real new idea nowadays. It's like pretty much like borrowed from time past or um, just kind of revamped. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I feel like it's not chaotic to me. It feels like a big family get together. And um, it really, I mean, we always say this, like Mav is family and we always feel like we've never done it. It came out of family. So yeah. it's not like we came together to make this thing and be popular and famous like it's not yeah that's not where it came out of so i feel like the heart of it is so pure in that because it's like we never did it for the money we never did it for the views or the where the you know plays like we just did it because we liked each other and we had fun worshiping the lord together and yeah. so it came from that place i mean it's a songwriting thing right we all wrote the songs together too so there's a lot of history there yeah um but it never feels uh chaotic to me i mean i feel like it could be more organized, obviously. I feel like anything can be. <laughs> but sure. but, um, but no, it does not feel chaotic. It feels like family and it feels like fun. Yeah. And just like a sigh, like a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief. Yeah. That's yeah. the I think the like worship leaders, especially listening to this, will appreciate like you guys, there's like there's no tracks behind you. There's no like there's mm -hmm. nothing fancy. And you're right. It's like, this is how they did it in the 60s or 70s, right? It's just like, mm -hmm. it's how they used to Taking roll. It, back. it is. And it's and it's very like every, or mostly, I'm sure there's overdubs, but you guys track so many things live that like most yeah. uh, live worship things, um, and some people don't even know this, but like a lot of live worship records are really like they tracked it live and then went and retracked 75% of it which I don't have a problem. You know, it's, it's amazing like that we can do that these days, but that's how a lot of live worship records are made. That's not how the math stuff no, happens, which is, it's actually cool. like, it actually, we're, I feel like the, the, the thing that attracts us to people is the fact that we're so raw and yeah. very organic in our approach. And you'll hear us make mistakes. Sometimes you'll yeah. hear something be a little off sometimes. And it's the nature it's supposed to, it's supposed to capture the heart of like, a regular worshiper at their church or their home yeah. or like someone that's not super musically inclined like most yeah. of the most of the chord progressions even in the songs that we do are so simple like yep. they're supposed to be very translatable like the whole point is that we want we want you to watch this and be inspired to worship jesus with your community in the same yeah. way like and enjoy that that fellowship because the holy spirit is in that too like the fellowship of and i mean it's what we're going to be doing in heaven like there's yeah. no track overdubs like in heaven <laughs> like it's just gonna be it's just gonna be us worshiping and it's there's no like record button yeah it's gonna yes. be our lives at that point so amazing so okay so fast forward to i don't know a week or two ago i don't remember when it was you led at the passion conference yeah which is sounds ultra intense tell me i can i go on a limb and say it's probably the biggest stadium you've led to at this mm -hmm. point how was yeah, that experience and what did you have this like oh okay this is new and big or did it feel kind of how did that feel no it's funny i was just telling dante when we were there um like i'm usually pretty 
uh, anxious a little bit, especially like right before uh, events. Uh, I mean, but this was one of those, this was one of those events that I just felt so at peace, hmm. did not feel nervous at all, felt comfortable. Like I felt so good. Like I, I think it has a lot to do with the house and like the, um, the church. I really respect the Giglio so much. Like hmm. Louie and Shelly were so sweet. They came, I mean, it was a pretty intense weekend. They had never done something like that before. It was virtual for those that, you know, didn't catch it, but um, it was a virtual kind of event. So it's not like in their huge stadium and right. um, it was at their home church and they were recording it and they featured some of the like youth from their church, like in mm. the, in the pews. Um, and it was very safe, which I also appreciated. Um, but it was just like, it didn't feel like they were so accommodating to us and they came and talked to us and like they, you can just tell very quickly that, Pastor Louie and Shelly are just so genuine and and down to earth and love the Lord. Like, you know, they didn't start this church to be um, what it is now. You know, yeah, they just right. kind of like followed the Lord through everything. And I think that purity um, creates uh, an atmosphere of peace and, and mm. rest, to be honest. And so coming in there, like I can sense very quickly um that it was just a place of peace and 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 purity and that to to me to start off the year in that kind of house and and um to take communion in that kind of headspace like it just provided so much clarity for the new year and so much like joy and um anticipation for what's to come especially having how how 2020 ended yeah. to go into that year uh, to go into 2021 with that renewed sense of like uh, purpose and peace it was very inexplainable I, I told them I told uh, a few people I was like if if I I could, I could do stuff by passion forever like they they are so kind and the, even the artists are super sweet like I, yeah. I just enjoyed meeting them and talking to the, the staff so I had such a beautiful experience and I always love leading with Dante too he's always a he's always a fun person to lead with so yeah that's amazing all right so you led with Dante at Dante's church last year passion this year next year is just gonna be crazy i mean glory to glory i i mean i don't know i don't know what next year is gonna hold i don't know but it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing i'm excited for this year so i'm looking forward to what's to come yeah i know the year started off kind of rough but um i'm still pretty at peace that's amazing despite despite some of the scary stuff that's been happening is that something that would typically rock you a bit oh yeah yeah i feel like i had been pretty emotionally uh exhausted and burnt out so events because you have to realize like these things affect our writing it affects our it affects my heart it affects my mind it makes me more anxious because a lot especially christian i mean christendom has been very torn over you know, the state of politics today. And there's just so many people with opinions. And so sometimes writing sessions get a little awkward and, Mm. and it's hard to like um, navigate some of those conversations without offending people or, um, you know, I don't know. So it's like, it affects every part of you when things like that go on. So I was pretty emotional. Like I didn't write for a while because I was just kind of like needing to breathe and figure out 
where my peace was. So to finally get that space to, to rest and to start off the new year, it just felt so, so what my heart needed. Yeah. That's amazing. Like food for my soul. So let's talk about code writing for a bit, because a lot of Mm -hmm. folks that listen are, are songwriters. Um, and this, and I'm, I have a similar story to you that I used to only write by myself Mm-hmm. For a long enough time that for me, it was kind of unhealthy when I started writing with others. I was so precious about, you know, ideas and all this. But then I got broken in and started co-writing. And, and so for you, because you mentioned you can be in the room with other people or the Zoom with other people, whatever it is. And you, there's a certain element of you kind of have to be on the same page, at least enough where you can kind of keep stumbling forward on this right. idea. How do you, what what does co-write, like give us, give people your co-writing tips as like you've done this here over the last 12, 18 months and surely grown Mm -hmm. in that process. Yeah, for sure. I think that the most important thing, and I always say this whenever people ask me is, um, relationship over any song like our writing. So to me, it's like the purpose of, of getting into a session is, is not just to create the song. It's to create relationship that the song is actually last (laughs) Mm. i think the song is the fruit of the relationship and so it's like to be able to just invest in people i mean that's where to me it's ministry because you're really investing in other people and you're you're you know the people that i write with the people that i love writing with are the people that are invested in my life and they're Mm. they're like actually like wanting to know how i'm doing and we can share things and honestly it takes us like a solid hour to get into writing sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> like once we've gotten together like it takes a while to actually get into writing because we're just sharing but it's like out of the sharing comes those places of the vulnerability comes out of that that those those hours of sharing or yeah. those minutes of sharing and so it's always like to me the relationship is always so important um over everything the other thing is like don't i feel like there's a lot of times where i tend to box myself in to a certain concept or idea Hmm. but um just kind of like revisiting to me sometimes just is like the best option and and when i feel like i'm not able to get to something in co-writing or i feel like i'm stuck i'm just like let's just meet another time and it gives me time i'm a process person so uh, it gives me time to think about think about what I'm wanting to say and maybe better say it or more succinctly say it or even say it more poetically or say it um, in a way that can touch on many different concepts or feelings. Yeah. And so I feel like that taking a, a, a step away from it for a, a period of time is so important. I mean, some songs that we listened to today, I think it was, what's that Kelly song? Uh, the one like a ring of solid gold oh be ever be ever be was like it took a while to write that song like i think Mm. it took her years maybe a couple years but it's like you know i think especially with map we've gotten so used to cranking out songs within a few hours but i've i've really enjoyed the art of working for one song whether that takes months you know, I think it's important to to pursue songs well and not settle for certain things. So take time with it. I don't think it's meant to um, be, I don't think it's always meant to be done in, in a couple of hours. I think it's yeah. meant to, you know, 
work hard. Like you're not a failure if you're if you don't get the song in one or two sessions. Correct. Right. Yeah. In fact, some of the best, you know, could, I'm sure we can name off a dozen or two tunes that like took forever for people to write. But then they're the songs that we sing for years and years. And it works both ways for sure. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I think that I, and I, I've battled that of like, okay, we didn't get this done in the two or three hours. It's okay. Like that, that's, that was never the success marker. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So I'm curious, you have a, a psychology background, you said. How do you, I, I can only imagine this relates, like you use this all the time in your work with artists. <laughs> Because we're a messed up group of people. Um, Definitely. We, um, how do you create safe space um, in a co-write? How can people do that intentionally? I think that you start with one of the skills um, that we learn in um, counseling is listening, active listening. And I think listening to people, really hearing where their heart is, I think the Lord gives us... Um, wisdom on how to respond to things after we actively listen with ears and hearts that are open especially when you live in a kingdom mindset i feel like you hear things through the ears of jesus you hear or see things through the eyes of jesus and and um i feel like it provides a lot of seed to be sown and 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 fruit to be to to bear um, when we do that and so i feel like one of the things that you can do to create safe space and i uh, I always frequently mention um, a songwriter in particular, Mitch Wong. He's so mm-hmm. good at that. He's just so good at like listening and 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 um, being very like accommodating to how you're feeling. Like he'll never push you to make a certain decision. He'll never like he's very like aware. And I think that's a big thing with with um, songwriting. It's just like being very self aware how you're being presented or how you are being received by other people. I, I sometimes like to ask the people close to me, like, Hey, can you give me some feedback on how I was in that? Right. Or how that right went in my, in your opinion, like receiving feedback, willing to take criticism well. And like, um, I think those things are so important. Excuse me. I think those things are so important to like, uh, creating a safe space. Mm. Like if I were to ask you, like, oh, hey, like, what do you think I could do better? Like, it's just like, okay, now I can tell you if I feel like you can, I can tell you if I feel like I can, and you're giving me the invitation, I feel like it creates deeper relationship also, yeah. which creates a space for like, you could say anything at this point, like we could write a song about how I hate you, like, and it'll be fine, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. but it just creates safe space. Like, I think that's what it is. Like creating deeper relationship creates safe space for people. And so being more like, open about those things actively listening like being more self-aware like i think those things create a safe space for writers so good it it, there's and this is i think where it gets into the meat of this like music and faith and businessy stuff all coming together Mm -hmm. is like you can be the best songwriter in the world but if Mm -hmm. not trying to if you're not uh in employing the uh, discipleship of Jesus things that you're learning into like co-writing and letting that saturate things like my writing my co-writing with others um, Mm -hmm. not aware of the other people trying to serve them including with my creativity which can be really hard right then uh, that might carry you for a while but eventually it's going to be like people don't like to write with people like that you know that sort of come in close-fisted and all that yeah 
And I start to look at people um, like as, I don't know, like I would view myself in a lot of ways and, and how I would receive something or how I would want something to be said, especially being less experienced or, you know, not having as much of a background in songwriting as other people, you know? So I'm like, I feel like that to me is like the, it's like the a good and a bad thing for me because it's like keeps me like fresh enough because I'm like, oh, like I know what that feels like. I, I've been there. Like, but at the same time, it's like, uh, kind of don't always want to be the person that's like the least experienced in the room. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like, I love it. I love like that. I can still feel that way. You know, I haven't gotten yeah. to a point where I'm like writing so much to the point where I'm like, I don't care about you. And I'm going to just yeah. say what I think. Like, yeah. no, I never want to get to that point. That's like my prayer. I'm like, Lord, help me be kind. Like in these rooms, like yeah. help me to value these relationships over any song and over any cut and that's over right. any, like, you know, these relationships are my ministry. And I felt more and more God was calling me into the rooms with the people than mm -hmm. he is to call, calling me to write songs. Like, I feel like that's really what it is. It's the ministry for me. That's amazing. Um, yeah. That's a good word yeah. right there. And I feel like um, something that I, I I heard Ryan Tedder say once, he's a, he's a songwriter I look up to. He grew up in a house full of Pentecostal evangel evangelical people. <laughs> so it's crazy that he's actually doing what he's doing now. But he says like, he said something to the effect of like, this is, this is his ministry too. Like he feels mm. like this is, he only heard in Christian circles where it's separated like secular music like you don't you don't you don't tell a doctor he's a secular doctor <laughs> right and you know what i'm saying like so it's like this is the only field where it's like secular and christian but yeah. really it's like he's really just hoping that through anything any rela relationship or interaction that people see jesus through him i think that's like the point right like i, I hope that's the, i mean that's why i'm doing it because i yeah. want people to see jesus through me so no matter what room i'm in whether it's christian or not that you know jesus can be jesus is present in those rooms too yeah boy amen do you find a struggle as you're co-writing do you find it a struggle like um so we all as worship leaders we're in this worship space um or even in a maverick recording and stuff it's, it's just a very worshipful environment right mm -hmm. and on a worship set on a sunday or whenever it's a very worshipful environment do you find that it's sometimes a struggle to find that same worshipful environment in co-writing spaces um i think it, it definitely is something you need to to cultivate like i don't think it's going to be as easy as like um yeah like let's just start a worship set it, it's it's just weird it's different yeah. right but um i think there are people in our in our in our field that do that really well yeah. that invite um, the Holy Spirit into those rooms. And I, I honestly was um, just talking about this to somebody else. And I was like, we, I feel like I want to do a better job of doing that. Like kind of just creating the atmosphere for people to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not that like, yeah, he's in us, he's with us through all the things we're doing, but it's like, it's so beautiful. And it's so much sweeter to, to have those, um, those moments like even yeah. while writing not just like while you're leading the song for the first time but actually while you're writing the song to have a moment and um it actually creates like you you'll hear people say as they write especially in christian sessions and rooms 
um, like, oh yeah, I want to hear how this sounds like when I lead in my church and how it translates like in a, in a crowd. But I think if you're able to do it within the rooms, like you won't even need to like get that second, like you don't even need to like, I mean, you're going to, because you're going to lead it, but it's not something you'll need to see, like, because you already know it's going to be powerful. Like I remember listening to when promises was written and they did a song share. um, And I remember telling the people around me, I was like, this song is going to be like really big. This Mm -hmm. is like a great song. I just, I could just feel it. Like I could just feel the anointing on it. Like God, God's favor on it. It just felt like such a great song. And I mean, lo and behold, it's our best-selling song for Matt. Like, it's the the song that's, like, made the, gotten the most views and got the most traction. Another song that they have coming out called, you know, Build Your Church is going to do that, too. And it's, it's, it, I know it's going to do it. I just could sense it, like, when we're singing it. It's just so powerful. And it's going to be so timely and prophetic for, for our church, the church as a whole and so it's going to do that too so you'll know certain songs when we create those worshipful atmospheres in our rooms and our sessions from the get-go it's 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 prophetic yeah. and i think it's so powerful right so, so yeah. you heard it here first the prediction did you say it's called build your church mm-hmm. build your church i mean that's going to be the name of our our um i have no idea if i could say all this but I'm just going to say it because it's going to come out anyway. But um, Build Your Church is going to be the name of the next one. And they're releasing it this year sometime. But um, that's the name of the album. They actually are naming one of the albums now. Um, But that will be the song. There's going to be a song called Build Your Church. Um, They did it. It was a spontaneous moment at the One Race March in Atlanta earlier this year. And so they did part of it there they started it was it was a it was a spontaneous moment that naomi had had on stage and yeah. so they took that went back into rooms and created it so it came out of a worshipful moment yeah, right it amazing? was it was at, at it was literally in a worshipful moment went back into room, revised it picked it up like fashioned it and then now they sang it again and it was so powerful and it's just going to be so good i already know yeah you can you can um you can place a bet on that place a bet on it can you do do you have that because i've talked to other writers about this of like some people like i can always predict which ones are kind of going to go and other people are like i have no idea oh no i can't i feel like i i I have a good idea of it but there also sometimes um i feel like there's other songs that i don't um expect so even for my record when i recorded it there were certain songs that really hit me in the moment but when i listened to the recordings other songs translated so much better like Mm. when i heard it and it it sounded so it hit me different so that's really cool to like experience but yes i do have those moments where i'm like i feel like i can tell if the song's going to be big or not you can predict it you're one of those i feel like i can it's one of your superpowers i feel like i can i I don't know if i'm being too presumptuous by saying things like that but you got it you got it (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask a question on behalf of my wife, um, oh, cool. who's uh, wonderful. She's a she's a writer as well. She she writes with me quite a bit, and she and she'll also sometimes go like to meetings with me, with, hanging out with people. Just like if it's more businessy stuff, I use that term loosely, but right stuff with music for meeting with whoever. She would say she has said before. She's like sometimes it feels like a little bit of a boys' club. 
And oh, yeah. do you, so obviously Maverick City is amazing at empowering women, but I wonder your experience at large in the music industry, does that sometimes feel that way? Yeah, it sure does. I, I feel like it definitely does. And I feel we were just talking about this, this a few days ago, like it's almost like also comp more competitive, like with women, like they are just more competitive. Like it feels that way sometimes. Um, it definitely feels like a boys club. And I think like, I think that for me personally, it's actually not so much about boys and girls or men and women, but it's more so like um, also being a minority. It doesn't always mm -hmm. feel as, um, especially being a female minority. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like there's an even smaller box. Um, I almost feel like I'm not, always and this is not the case of everybody but it definitely feels sometimes i'm not taking it seriously mm. um and i don't know that because i'm so um i was so innocent and sometimes in the way that i thought like i don't think i immediately translated it as like oh duh it's because you're a female or duh it's because you're a minority but i just thought it was because i was inexperienced yeah um, well, and you but, can't ask, right? In those scenarios, when you feel those things, right. it's not like you can just be like, is this because I'm a woman? Like, you can't do that. Yeah, you it's can't hard. ask, but it's like, it's, I don't know, it's gotten like to a point now, like when I'm with people that actually do honor and honor my, where my roots and like honor who I am as a female and as a woman, a woman, I feel like really seen. And I'm like, dang, like, I've never felt this way before. Yeah. Like, never felt so welcomed and it, it's just a gift to have certain songwriters do that for me and feel very like welcoming of of my voice and I, I feel like that's something I talk about with my therapist a lot I feel like for me personally this is like a year this journey especially songwriting is is really me connecting to my voice and finding my voice or being strong enough to use it I guess in this space because I didn't always get that chance and I it wasn't even an option for me and so it's already hard enough for women, I feel like, with men. But now with minorities being added into the mix, it's it's even harder sometimes. And I've asked I've I, I had a I had a few moments in times where I told um my publishers, I was like, Hey, I think I'm just gonna write with my friends for a bit. Like mm -hmm. the people that I know like respect me and love me and know me and it, it's so much less exhausting to be with those people and feel yeah. safe in those yeah. places because if you're not safe if you don't feel safe it's so hard to write it's just so hard to write anything yes. when you don't feel like you can be yourself yeah. i mean writing is such a core of who you are and it's yeah. like if you're not accepted it's like a, a rejection like a personal yeah. rejection yeah. so so um yeah and i i feel like it's hard to tell people especially to take up the space that they're in like that's that's not always, I mean, it's not, it's not been easy for me to do that for me personally. It's not been easy to just take up the space I'm in. Like, um, I, I think with the Lord helping me, I think I've been able to, you know, discern like the spaces that I'd feel safe in and, and be able to thrive in. And I've done so. And I think I've, I, those things have been, I've been using the guidance of the Holy Spirit to like lead me into those places, like yeah. lead me into those rooms, connect me with those people. And I've trusted him. And I think that's what's gotten me like where I'm at, where I am now 
like just trusting the Lord, honestly, the whole journey of me getting to this place is trusting. Yeah. It's, it's not, I never work. This is where I tell people I've never, I never like worked to be a, an artist or a songwriter. It was just, it's not something I wanted to do. Like, yeah. I mean, I told you, I like the security of having a yeah. job. Like yeah. I like the security of having like a, a, a consistently paying job. Like I enjoy this, but it's too risky for me. And, and, um, I just had to trust the Lord. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In that place, so MG if the Lord has brought you as a female into those rooms, you can trust that you belong there. Boom. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Talk to for a second. Cause you said there are some men who are good at this. And honestly, this exists not just in songwriting and on worship teams and on church staffs mm -hmm. and on all yeah. this stuff. The men who want to empower women well, and are at least aware enough to know that they that that we don't always do that, right? Mm -hmm. How what when people have done that for you well, what does that look like, um, and how can men do that well? I think it's like well, when you say you mean like in co-writing specifically, sure, or, in or any, anything in general, in anyone's co yeah, and you can talk specifics in co-writing, but I think a lot of people can apply it to their specific ministry or whatever business yeah. situation. Yeah. I think it's so important. Anything you make, any decision you make in ministry, like getting a female's perspective, yeah. asking them is so like important. And it shows that they are valued and what they think matters. Right. Like, I think that is so important. Like in inviting and including women into those decision-making processes. Like if I'm in a right with four other guys or three other guys, like, Hey, MJ, does that sound like, what do you think about that? Does that sound good to you? Like, what are your thoughts? I can see, like, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I see some hesitation. Are you okay? Like, do you feel like this is good? And creating that, kind of inviting them to to share what they're feeling, like yeah. inviting them into that. Um, I think that is so key. Like, it makes people feel seen. It's like, dang, they notice me. Like, I'm important enough to them, like, that they, they see that. And I think just making them feel seen and known and valuing them, just allowing or telling them like how much they brought to a right or how much they bring to a ministry or like appreciating them for what they do. Like women love that. Like I think, I think anybody loves that. I forget just sure. women. Like I think yeah. anyone just loves to know that they're valued and appreciated in these spaces. And I think so often Christendom and has been so male heavy and male mm. men have made so many decisions just without i mean i come from a very misogynist culture myself like and so i know like me doing what i'm doing right now i mean my mother-in-law is a well-known speaker and it's crazy to her i mean it's crazy to me it's almost like, like sad to me that she preaches in all of our cultural circles doesn't get paid a dime and i do and I haven't been doing it as long as she has. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, it's totally. just like, I'm working in American circles and finally I'm getting like, um, you know, I feel like it's a respect thing. They respect me enough. They're giving me an honorarium of some sort, but it's like in her circles and in her community. And I mean, both of our communities, but the people she's working with generation wise, it's, they'll pay men, but very, very weird to pay women. Isn't that you know? crazy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's insane. It's yeah. actually insane for me. Like it, it's right. sad. It makes me sad because she carries so much authority and anointing in, in her. And, and I, it's crazy because she's 
just given that up and has trusted the Lord with her finances. And God has been so favorable and good to her and has blessed her beyond measure. But I always remember that I, women like Mary was the one that held Jesus in her womb. Like Mm. the Lord didn't allow a man to carry life. Like women were called to carry life. We have the ability in our womb to carry the divine. And so we matter. We're important. God, like Mm. specifically since the garden, like created us to carry life. And, and, and so we bring life, whether we like it or not, we bring life in every room. And so it's important to involve them and it's important to evolve us into that process and give us a voice. It's huge. Yeah. That's so good. I, and I think, um, it, cause I have friends, your theology on this, or so the way that you read certain scriptures definitely plays a heavy role in what people think in women's roles, yeah. right? Men's and women's right. roles. And, I, but I honestly believe while I, while I may be on like the egalitarian, you know, side, I would really promote uh, women in ministry in a lot of ways. I also think I have friends that that don't sit in that and they read it differently and I can respect that. But I do think you can still do all those things that you just said, even if you read the Bible in particular, you can still ask women yeah, their opinion. Exactly. Involve them I agree. In, right? yeah. Like you can still do all of those things. And so if, if anyone's listening and has that tension of like, oh, but my tradition, you know, says this. Yeah. I think it's okay because you can still honor women. And, it's um, honor it's yeah. honor exactly it's like honor and respect it's like if you are a dad and you have a daughter how would you want people to respect and honor your daughter yeah like it's that on every female relationship with every female relationship yeah. you have respecting and honoring them no matter what their age is what they're how old they are Whew, i was gonna sneeze and then i didn't <laughs> okay we're good <laughs> sorry about that no all good but yeah. all good well, MJ, yeah. I always thank you so much for sharing all of this. I at the at the conclusion of every episode, I always ask, would you pray over people? Those oh, that sure. have been listening and have uh, have resonated with 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 some part or multiple parts of what you're saying in your story, just praying over those people who are in those spaces out there. Sure. Let's do it. Lord, wow, what an opportunity to um just talk about you and talk about our history and how you've led me and how you've been faithful, Lord. Um, we pray that these words that I've mentioned, that Nick's mentioned, would touch the core of people that are listening, that you would um, meet them at the point of their need. Um, this is not an easy industry and not an easy field for people. Um, there's a lot of risk involved. There's a lot of um, doubt and um, fear, but Lord, we, I have seen how present you are in those moments. And so Lord, would you come near to those that maybe feel that way, that maybe are anxious about starting a new career in this or, or putting out some music of theirs that you've, you've impressed upon them to put out or co-writing for the first time and not knowing how to go about it. Lord, would you be near to those people? Would you show them your love? Would you show them that um, that relationship is everything. That relationship with you is everything. And that that is the most important thing. Our relationship with you should be priority over anything else. And so, Lord, would you, would you just speak to those hearts that are struggling today? Um, we also just pray a prayer of blessing over Nick and his family. We pray that you would just 
give them all the peace that they need, all the instruction and strategy and wisdom that they need to know where they're going next, God. We just pray that your Holy Spirit, your discerning spirit, would that you would give him discernment and his wife discernment on where to go next, Lord. And, um, and then lastly, we just pray for Maverick City. We thank you for what you're doing through our ministry and through the way that you are blessing um, people from all different parts of the world, people from all different races, people from all different political backgrounds. God, we thank you that you are the cord of love that ties us and binds us all together, that there is nothing really different from either of us. Like at the end of the day, we're, we bleed the same blood and we thank you that you've brought us together as your children. We're all your children. And we thank you for the opportunity to do ministry. And we just pray that every glory goes to you. Um, we thank you. Um, we pray that you would just bless this podcast, that you would bless all of the speakers that are to come, all the speakers that have come in the past, um, all the episodes that are to be released. We pray that this would just be a ministry that greatly impacts and affects the body of Christ and that people feel um, equipped, Lord, and that they feel empowered by these sessions, God. We thank you and we ask you all these things in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. You can hear Marianne's music on various Maverick City music releases and the new House Fires and Friends album. You can find that music and follow her on social media from the links in the show notes. Keep up to date with when her new album drops. The theme music for The Secret Chord is shamelessly supplied by my band Mountaintops. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook and you can hear more wherever you listen to music. If you're enjoying this show, keep in touch with us by following us on Instagram at The Secret Chord Podcast. I personally answer every comment and direct message, so don't be a stranger. Let me know who you'd like to hear on the show. And don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. That way new episodes go straight to your library. And if you really, really want to score some Secret Core brownie points, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It actually helps other people hear about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.